The following program is brought to you by the Humble Farmer Bed and Breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. My wife, Marsha, the almost perfect woman, has brown eyes. My wife is not old enough to know that song, Beautiful, Beautiful Brown Eyes, which I sang to her the other day. Are you ready for this? Beautiful, beautiful brown eyes, beautiful, beautiful brown eyes, beautiful, beautiful brown eyes, I'll never love blue eyes again. Willie, oh Willie, I love you, love you with all my heart. Tomorrow we might have been married, but liquor has kept us apart. And then the chorus. Seven long years I've been married. I wish I was single again. A woman never knows of her troubles until she has married a man. Down to the barroom he staggered, staggered and fell at the door. The last words that he ever uttered, I'll never get drunk anymore. You might find it interesting to learn that I found the words to this song on a Arkansas Family Tradition website. Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to me. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music.
empty collar Each time I fall It's no good at all Me thinks It stinks Ah, but when I view A dream like you Baby, then right again I'm a case Resuming the amorous chase And soon I'll be flat on my face Just this once Perhaps I'm a dunce But somehow on you it looks real So what's to do? All the old lines are new There's one more chance In the game of romance Cause I've caught the trance Of that tired routine called love That old again That stale repartee called love That old routine That tired routine called love One, one more time Maybe one more time, and gong till. <laughs> I have never heard of Rebecca Kilgore, but that was Rebecca Kilgore. That tired old routine called Love. All kinds of people on there you have heard of. Harry Allen, I didn't hear him. Bucky Pizzarelli. Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. If, if you are a seagull in the town of St. George, Maine. If you're a seagull in the town of St. George, Maine, you probably think back wistfully to the good old days when we had an open town dump. Way back then, Wilder Oaks and his friends who'd visit the dump, you know, to shoot rats, they'd see dozens of happy seagulls hopping around eating garbage. My father called our dump the bird sanctuary. Of course, nowadays the town of St. George has what you would have to consider a state-of-the-art dump, where even a cockroach or a housefly would starve to death because everything is recycled. There are two different, listen to this, there are two different wood piles, one for trees and limbs and one for lumber. There's a metal pile. There are big boxes for glass and tin cans and two boxes for different kinds of paper. There are boxes for half a dozen different kinds of plastic bottles. When you drive into our dump, the first thing you see on the right is Larry's Stowa, or whatever Larry calls it, where you can buy for just pennies all kinds of good things that people have brought to the dump too good to throw away, so they leave it at Larry's Stowa. You can back your truck up to the wood pile and take home firewood or, or the other wood pile and take home boards enough to build a hen house or a chicken house or a, a, a rooster house or the metal pile. You can take home lawnmowers or bicycles. You should understand that some main towns do not allow people to come in and haul off everything they want for free. But Mr. Polkey and his friends who run the town of St. George, Maine, are smart. They know that every time I haul home a good pine board or a kid's bicycle from the dump, I'm saving St. George taxpayers money in disposal fees. When you see me leaving the dump with more than I brought down to the dump, you realize that St. George, Maine epitomizes the social experience they call recycling.
the only losers are the rats and the seagulls.
Herman, Woody Herman here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time, right here on your favorite radio station playing old-fashioned music. Just for you, remember there is a televised version of this program you can watch on YouTube, Google, Robert Carl Skoglund, YouTube, and it should come up. Friends, send me letters. I'm always glad to hear from you. Here's a letter I'd like to read to you. This first part is actually a letter that my friend got from one of his friends. He comments on it. Anyway, the the letter that my friend got says, Studies suggest that people who use a lot of swear words tend to be more trustworthy and honest. There are also health benefits associated with people who use more swear words in their daily vocabulary, including increased circulation, elevated endorphins, and an overall sense of calm. (laughs) That's what this friend sent to me. And because endorphins was spelled incorrectly, I had a good idea of where this information was coming from and what it was worth. Playing along with this, my friend commented on this letter that he got, and he says, Apparently, I would be a more trustworthy and honest person if I use swear words on a regular basis. I do not use them now. Good thing he doesn't. He's a professor at a university. I do not use them now and never have. I shy away from people who use them on a routine basis. I also never realized that there were significant health advantages from daily use of swear words. Perhaps you would not have bad knees. He's talking to me. Perhaps you would not have bad knees if you used such language over the years. At 80 years old, is it too late for a person to bolster their trustworthiness, honesty, and health by adopting such language now? Would you have to double or triple up on swear word usage to get caught up for all the years you missed out on this beneficial opportunity? Could it be that the pharmaceutical companies have kept this a secret so that they could sell us more drugs when simple swearing is all that's needed? If these things are true, aren't we doing a disservice to our children by denying them the benefits of swearing? If we want our children to grow up to be more trustworthy, honest, and have better health, shouldn't we be teaching them swear words in school? Shouldn't such words become a standard part of their spelling and grammar lessons? Wouldn't the world be a more peaceful place for our children? Well, right now, in case you tuned in late, I want you to know that this is a letter, that tongue-in-cheek letter that my friend sent to me. And I do want to thank him for sending that along to us. You can be glad that I'm not going to comment on, on that right now. I've already talked long enough in between tunes. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com, and you can tell me what you think. Love is a necessary evil. A very contrary, hereditary evil Can't live with it, can't live without it Can't do a doggone thing about it You want the pleasure, you got to take the pain Love is a necessary evil 
revolutionary interplanetary your heart's pounding you get excited play with a flame and you're ignited time out for crying here comes a load of rain who wants it that thrill of a warm embrace who needs it no one but the whole human race cause love is a necessary evil a very arbitrary extraordinary evil well natural things that women and men do can't be changed there's nothing we can do love is unnecessary Since time began, the white. 
Kilgore and a very strong rhythm se- section. I like the piano player too. In the tasty little piano player. I don't know who it is. I'll have to check it out when I have time. Do you think that environment shapes behavior? Years and years ago, some friends invited me to attend their party at the alumni house at the University of Maine in Orono. And it was, it was a great party. And although I don't know the politically correct name for one of the games we played, all it amounted to was getting 150 people to work together on a project. The people at each table, we were put in groups, the people at each table were asked to glue together with frosting and decorate a gingerbread house which was a challenge indeed for Maine men who find themselves without duct tape or WD-40. Now, of course, when six people work together at one table on a project, you know this, you've done it. When six people work together at one table on a project, there is usually at least one who is content to sit back and watch and at least one who has to manage the operation. They are called me the let-me-show-you boys. Oh, let me show you how to do that. That's just the way things are. Someone sits back. Someone has to take charge. At one table, I saw a strong argument for those of you who believe that environment shapes behavior. The gingerbread house built by the Washington County crowd, this gingerbread house had a chain fall hanging from a tripod out front, a yellow police do-not-cross tape, two dogs chained to an outhouse, and a bait-for-sale sign on the front door.
Scott Hamilton, Bob Wilbur here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. Some stations call it nostalgic music. <laughs> Nostalgia. I'm thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Have you heard the advertisement about the vitamins that stick to your body? I heard it, and I wondered about this. This company claims that ordinary, everyday vitamins get flushed out of your body without doing you any good. But you, but you want to buy their special vitamins because they stick. Now, I'm like you. I thought it was funny, too, when I first heard about it. If you think about this, you know that an organic vitamin atom is the same as a vitamin atom that spent the winter in a chair inside of a nuclear, nuclear power plant. But then I thought about it. And listen, if you compare these stickable vitamins with some of those donuts you used to get when you were in the military service, it does make sense. When I was stationed on the Coast Guard Cuttle Lowell in Rockland in 1955, the cook made donuts that would hang around in your stomach for four or five days. Take love easy, easy, easy. Never let your feelings show. Make it breezy, 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 easy come, easy go. Never smile too brightly, brightly when your heart is riding high. Let your heart break oh so slightly. 
baby says goodbye That well-known flame is mighty hot As all of us have learned So handle it with velvet gloves And you won't get your fingers burned Take love easy, easy, easy On the free and easy plan And if you can't take it easy, take it easy Take it easy as 
Just about the most exciting thing an old man can do is to take the AARP driving class for old people. I have done it two or three times. I admit, I admit to you that I am not a good driver and that I have caused somewhere between six, eight, ten accidents over the past forty so years. I seem to get, listen to this, I seem to get in the way at stop signs. Here's the big red stop sign. I ease up to it and I stop. I look in my rear view mirror and see someone closing in. And I notice that this person is not looking at me, but this person is looking to the left out the side window at oncoming traffic, you know, so they can run the stop sign. Because they figure that I'm a typical driver and that I've already run the thing. They don't think I'm going to be stopped there. And wham, while they're still looking the other way, planning on running that stop sign, before I can move, I've had my rear bumper in the way again. You don't know what it's like to be chewed out for being a stupid driver until someone who has rammed you in the rear end screams in your face. When you hear some poor old double say, I've driven 65 years and never had an accident. You might want to ask yourself if he stops at stop signs. Remember that I've never had an accident is not the same as I've driven 50 years and never caused an accident.
Alan, Alan Vache, one of my favorite tunes, China Boy. When uh, just talking about that AARP driving class for old people reminds me of a prize-winning television commercial I wrote, produced, and narrated for the Maine Seatbelt Coalition almost 30 years ago it was, it showed my friend Stanley French next to a car in his junkyard. And Stanley was crying, had his handkerchief out, crying, reading his handkerchief. One of his friends had hit a telephone pole, and because he wasn't wearing his seatbelt, he'd gone right out through the windshield. Now, you don't see me in this commercial, but you hear my voice, and I'm saying... This is my friend, Stanley French, who owns this junkyard here in South Thomaston. There's nothing that bothers Stanley more than seeing a car brought in here that one of his best friends was driving without wearing a seatbelt. You know, Stanley could have sold that windshield for $65. You sons of Adam, you daughters of Eve, the time has come to take your love-torn hearts off your sleeve. Look, look about you, what, what do you see? Love sick, love lorn, love wrecked, love worn, boomanity. There'll be no peace on earth until this curse is wiped off from this love-mad universe. Are we mice or men? Can't you see the light? Come, you fellow victims, let's unite. Down with love, the flowers and rice and shoes. Down with love, the root of all midnight blues Down with things that give you that well-known pain Take that moon and wrap it in cellophane Down with love, let's liquidate all its friends Moon and tune and roses and rainbows ends Down with songs that moan about night and day down with love, just take it away, 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 take it away, give it back to the birds and the bees and the Viennese, down with eyes, romantic and stupid, down with size, down with Cupid, brother, let's stuff that dove down with love.
birds and the bees and the Viennese. Oh, down with eyes, romantic and stupid. Down with size, down with Cupid. Brother, let's stuff that down. Down with love. Here's to my best romance. Here's to my worst romance. Here's to my first romance ages ago. Here's to the boys I've kissed, and to complete the list, here's to the boys who said no. Love, love, hooray for love! Who is ever too blase for love? Make this a night for love. If we have to fight, let's fight for love. Some sigh and cry for love. Ah, but in Paris they die for love. Some waste away for love, just the same hooray for love. Have to take off weight for love. Some go berserk for love. Loafers even go to work for love. Sad songs are sobbed for love. People have their noses bobbed for love. Some say we pay for love. Just the same, hooray, hooray for love. Thank you, thank you for listening to the humble farmer here on your favorite radio station. With any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. I'm thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. I have been making this program since April of 1978. So I do know what it's like to appreciate letters. The 
television commercials I made for the main seatbelt coalitions was so successful that Betsy Frederick, who was running the main coalition, well, she got me to speak at the National Seatbelt Coalition meeting in Washington. I'd also had my life saved one time because I was wearing my seatbelt when a fire engine coming home from a fire ran a stop sign and hit me broadside. So, so I was introduced as a survivor, alive because I'd been wearing a seatbelt at the right time. Back then, I was kind of new to the speaking business, but even when I started, I knew I had to have a great opening first line. You always have to have a good first line when you, when you stand up for a crowd of people. So just before I was to go on, I called my friend Richard Warner in Rockland, and I said, Richard, Richard, in 10 minutes I'm going on before the National Seatbelt Coalition in Washington, D.C. Quick, 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 give, give me a good opening line. And Richard said, Washington, D.C. is an excellent place to hold the National Seatbelt meeting. I can't think of a town in the entire country where there is a greater need for restraint.
Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. With any luck, I'll be back here next week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. When my wife, Marcia, came home, I greeted her at the door and I said, Mike has written a movie. He wants me to narrate some of it if he's able to sell it because he needs a real main accent. And my wife said, can you fake it? Be a lark and just sing, and you can have your place.